ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನಾಟು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ ಕರವಾಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿ ವಿಶಾವಹೈಂತಿ and uh, we all benefit from the class that's all the prayer is for not that any of us will be doing any of that so uh, there's a couple more people uh, logging on So normally uh, what happens these group discussions we only started them after the lockdowns normally we have class sunday morning um at uh, northwick circle as i mentioned before at the um freemason center so we all have a class to face to face but since the lockdown we're having class on monday morning on zoom so we thought since everyone's at home uh we can have a class wednesday evening more casual just like a q and a and a per- and someone can bring up a topic post it on our um, group then we would discuss it on wednesday so this is how this um wednesday evening class started so um no one has posted any uh questions for this this class and since there's a lot of a lot of uh, newcomers who are quite new to this subject um it'd be nice if um there was any questions that any clarifications you had from sunday's class anything you didn't understand or would like more clarification on because that would help everyone because the other people might be thinking it but not asking it so jyoti you had your hand up uh, i did um and thank you for sunday's class and you know it it has been something that i've been meaning to come to uh, one of the sunday classes but like you mentioned that life just gets away with you and sure. um but you know obviously in this time we've got now that you know it's easier to do this kind of way um but the reason i logged on today was like sunday's class was really good and i really enjoyed it and it's because it said about the questions and answers and as as much as i found sunday really uh uh fruitful and you know i understood a lot of it a lot of it made sense i didn't really need to question it because it was very uh understandable but today i wanted to ask a question um and it's of how vedanta can help with grief because it's been on my mind since sunday that everything that you were saying on sunday was very positive and um about you know trying to find eternal happiness and where it comes from and desires and but the other emotions that we don't talk about and that's grief and there's nothing anyone can say to me right now that can console me so i want to know what you could say or what vedanta can say or what anybody can say because this at the moment no one's religion no one's words no one's anything can console me right now absolutely thank you jotiman uh, very good question um and uh, <coughs> understand exactly why you're asking so let's uh, talk about um how we can help jyoti how can vedanta help well first of all vedanta is the truth okay it's knowledge based on the truths of life so would someone like to from a vedantic perspective um help jyoti does anybody have any um, ideas or any thoughts we in the q and a we always open it up to the group um and then we take it from there i have answers that's not a problem but because it's a more interactive on wednesdays so we open it up to any 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 anything that uh, anyone can add that can help jyoti ravi just just through vedanta it's um managing your emotions it's it's differentiating um acting with your emotions and becoming emotional whilst acting out so differentiating both you can be emotional 
but it's how you act with those emotions is what what's the best way of saying is it's it's the practical side of it so have emotions but be careful how you act with that emotion so uh, as you said um, in the example about grieving and that yes you know that's an emotion we acted out it, it aids us to a certain degree but it's also stepping back and seeing a bit more clarity and not getting caught up in that emotion or making decisions with that emotion it, it's the ability to understand and stepping back it's, it's right to have those emotions but it's how you react or how you action with those emotions if if that makes yeah. sense Ruby, uh, very good um, but the problem here is that um, she can't control her emotions because she's inconsolable so where knowledge is helpful but if you're not in a position to you know if you're grieving then it's a lot more difficult to do that uh, with a clear head we can absolutely and um, she may be able to at some point during the day understand but there are times when emotions just take over mind the emotions are, come from the mind okay um, and the mind is very very powerful you can't control it only the intellect can control it but in certain situations the mind just takes over and grieving, grieving is a process which has to be done you have to give time to, to grieve anybody else would like to add sorry joshna ben thank you for joining us um, um Jyoti just asked the question um a lot of a lot of a lot of people in this class today joined us on sunday for the first time so we're giving them an opportunity to ask questions um Jyoti ben just asked the question of she's grieving at the moment how she can deal with that Anybody else would like to add anything? Um, Jodi, were you there when uh, Fua passed away? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you come to the um, crematorium? Yeah, I was there. Because I did a talk on exactly this. I was there, I heard it. I heard the talk. And again, and you get by, I, I can tell you um, my spiritual side understands everything and my heart and my head knows that my dad is in, lives inside me now mm -hmm. yeah but how can you console my physical being because I physically need him now I need him still but even though 50% of me knows where he is where he's gone and 50% of me just still wants his physical side and how do you console that side? That's all you've got to accept that it's natural to do, natural process. Yeah? Um, anyone's father who would pass away, there would be a sense of attachment. Yeah, there's a bond. And that bond is suddenly broken. It would take time for anyone to deal with that. You know? um, but you know that this will pass. This will pass. It's a matter of time. Yeah. But the grieving process is something that everyone has to go through because it's that strong bond, that strong attachment. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and you can't just break that overnight. So you can't be too hard on yourself. You have to give it time. Yeah. See, if you, if you understand the truths of um, life, is that the fact that you're born, you have to pass. Yeah? Definitely. It's, it's, it, it's a it's a law of nature, law of life, that everybody has to go one day. Yeah? yeah. So why can't we accept that? Why is it that we can't accept that? Knowing that it's it's yeah. it's a law. Why can't we accept that? Anybody? Why can't we accept that? Any of the new 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 people? Why can't we accept that? Um, I'd like to. Really? Satisfied. Yes. I'd just like to add to that. Understand. So you can't hear you satisfy very well. Uh, you need to be closer to the mic, I think. Is that better? Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, um, yeah. Okay. Well, Jotibin, we are obviously in your grief as well. And uh, like I said, basically, it will take time to pass. 
have personal experience as well. My father passed away and I couldn't grieve when he actually passed away. Um, I couldn't even cry on that day. But a year down the lane, one year later, and the thoughts are coming back to me and I'm missing him. Sometimes I have these restless nights as well, but it takes time, like any good advice says, for it to get through. Um, so everybody grieves in a different way. I think what Jyoti Band understands is that because um, your father passed away suddenly, so it's more harder to accept this. Where my father, or the elderly, when somebody elderly passed away, you can slightly accept it that um, the elderly, then we wish that um, they don't suffer so much and that they you know, move on uh, at their own time. But when somebody passes away suddenly, it's much more difficult, like in Jyoti Ben's case there. Um, but like any advice, it will take a long time. Um, what I would suggest, maybe just take your time, let the grieving process take time. Um, maybe talk to um, other people that may be in the same situation, especially where they might have passed away at a young age, like Yusuba um, uh, passed away. Um, so these are my kind of um, thoughts on this at the moment, but maybe other people can add to this. Thank you, Sadika. Thank you. Any other um, perspective from a philosophical point of view? So, from a Vedantic perspective, in life we go for experiences. Yeah? Life is made up of a series of experiences. The minute you're born, that's your first experience, birth itself. Thereafter, every day you have different experiences. And those experiences added together make life. Death is just another experience. It's a gradual process, a natural process that everyone has to go through, but it is just another experience. We say the Atman is everlasting. So the only thing that's passed away is the physical body. Nothing else. Why did the physical body pass away? Anybody? Why does the physical body pass away? That's uh, Meghna. Um, because it can no longer fulfill your desires. So, the experiences that we have to go through, the physical body can no longer go through those experiences due to ailment, due to disease, due to weakness, for whatever reason. The physical body cannot handle the desires of the mind anymore. Yeah. So naturally, it will pass, the body will die. But this is where you take new, new birth so you can continue living your desires that you need to fulfill. And that's why you need to have an experience of death only then followed by a new experience of birth. So you can continue those experiences. So when a person dies, we said on Sunday briefly, a person is born, a person is made up of the spirit, the Atman, the body, physical body, which is like a car, your vehicle, what, and, the, and the body acts based on the mind or the intellect. The mind, the desires, and intellect, which is a buddhi, your, your um, intellectual personality, which allows you to think, reason, judge. The mind only works on emotions. But this is where the desires are. So that's what continues to the next life. Your mind and intellect goes on to the next life, new body continues. So death is just another experience, but we don't see it as another experience because we are attached to that physical body, that personality. But if you understand it philosophically, it's a natural thing. But it's our attachment that creates the problems. Thank is that okay? Yeah, very good. Thanks. This is from the Bhagavad Gita. This is what Krishna says. This is that's all it is. It's our own emotional attachment that creates that bondage. And it's that grieving process has to get rid of that bondage. 
that attachment, which is what we have to go for. Thank you. Okay, welcome. Any other clarifications or questions from Sunday's class? Any general questions about Vedanta or, you know, um, spirituality? Okay, if there's no questions, you're shy or you haven't, you've not, uh, by the way, before we carry on, um, all our classes that we've done for the last two years are available to listen to on a podcast. Yeah, so people who want interested and want to start from the beginning, they're all available on Spotify. Uh, if, you, if you speak to Ravi, he can uh, hook you up. And then if you want to listen to some more lectures or um, the, from the beginning, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, for, but for now, if you want to be part of the regular class, you also need to give your details to Ravi uh, so that he can put, us, put you on a, a WhatsApp group on Sundays. Yeah, it's not going to go for the Akya Samaj anymore, but um, uh, we have a Sunday, uh, we have a, a Sunday class WhatsApp group where we keep updated of the class, what we're going to talk about. I update it every Saturday morning as to what the topic's going to be, which is you know, from the book. And we follow a uh, systematic learning. So just let everybody know. Just to add to that, um, the community, they will put out one message saying all those that want to continue will then put my details there for you just to forward your um, telephone number and contact to me and then I'll add you to the regular group. So there, there will be one communication going out through the Samaj because obviously the new people who attended have come through that channel and it's just easier to communicate. So no, no one is missed off that list, if that makes sense. Brilliant. So um, is there any more questions? If not, I'm going to... Um read a poem and then we're going to discuss what the poem means philosophically so unless anyone has any clarifications or question okay great so then I'm going to read a poem and then as a group we're going to discuss it yeah okay it's called this comes from a book called the select English poems yeah um, and it's it's a book that we study in in, in, in the ashram so this particular poem is called The Blind Men and the Elephant. Yeah? Okay. Can everyone hear me okay? Brilliant. Okay. So I'll read it and then we'll discuss it as a group. It was six men of Hindustan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bowl. God bless me, but the elephant is nothing but a wall. The second, feeling of, of the tusk, cried, Ho, oh, what have we here, so very round and smooth and sharp? To me this mighty clear, this wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quote he, the elephant is very much like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What, what most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quote he. It's clear enough, the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can, this marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope, than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quote he, the elephant is very like a rope. So these, ten, so these men of Hindustan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. So oft in theological wars, the disputants I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean and prate about an elephant, 
not, not one of them has seen. So what's this poem about? It's talking about six, six blind men who went to see an elephant. Mm -hmm. So we discussed this now. What does that mean? Did everyone get the poem? Did everyone hear the poem? Dermesh? Yeah. Go ahead. So it's telling them, it's just each person has seen a, a certain part of the elephant. Yeah. Everyone's disagreeing on what they see. It's like religion. You yeah. only see what, the only bit of a religion. You don't see all of it. Because you can't see all of it. You can't take in what, it, what you see. You only argue about the bit you actually have seen. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Any, what else? Anybody else? Um, they've made assumptions based on what they think they know rather than what... Who's talking? Because I can't hear. I can't see who's talking. I'm not <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, made, they're making assumptions on what they think they know. So, um, and they're also believing then that that's right without confirming that that is the case. Right. Because they, and they don't have each other to, they have nothing to refer to as such. Okay. What about the, some of the new, new people? Jyoti, what, 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 what do you think they're talking about? What's going on? Um, I read something yesterday, um, which uh, I was in this reflective uh, reading class for uh, the Krishna book, and yeah. they mentioned something in there about does God or the divine have to be in front of you like a deity or an idol? Does it have to actually be in front of you to have any faith or um, belief? It doesn't have to be. So even if they're blind, they can still have that faith and belief that the elephant is there. Yeah. What else? What else does this? How can we relate to this poem in life? Six blind men went to see an elephant. First of all, blind men can't see. So how they went to see an elephant in itself, initially, is, even the first paragraph is, is meaningless. Mikna. Is it that you are experiencing only one part of a bigger picture? Yeah. Um, so each person is having a different experience of the same thing. But they're all sure this is what it is. Each one is saying, I know this, this is, they see the knee, they feel the knee and think, yep, it's like a, like a tree trunk. This is what an elephant is. And they're sure. They're ready to argue. They're ready to lay their life down. Elephant is like a trunk, tree trunk. See, this is what happens in religion. God. Has anyone seen God? Has everyone met God? But everyone is sure they know what God is. There's wars, there's fighting. All in the name of God, who no one has seen. This is life, this is the world. All these religions fighting each other. All these people, this is the right, this is, yours is wrong. And they're all sure, they're all 100% sure. Just as a blind man is sure what an elephant is, first they can't even see it. He's never seen an elephant. How can he be so sure what, what an elephant is? Similarly, how do how, all these all these um, wars and re different religions all talking about a god that no one has seen? It's a matter of thinking. This is what we're trying to say. But everyone is one hundred percent sure this is what God is. Dermesh, mm -hmm. did you want to say something? Sorry. No. Okay. Sorry. 
Yeah, you just lit up your, your square. I don't know, I'm new to this technology. Oh, no, no, I'm getting messages coming through. Oh, okay. Right. So this is what this poem's talking about, the, that ludicrous society thinking they know what God is. So you have to think about this. It's like, um, to a certain degree, we're... We're blinded by what's, I mean, in, in, in our case, or my case, I would say, you're, you're semi-blinded by what you've been brought up with without questioning it and following it blindly. So you will believe that's, you know, full stop, that's how it is and that's what it should be. Without taking a step back and um, looking at the whole picture, um, effectively opening your eyes and being able to question what you've been taught so far it's it's a matter of promoting you to think don't accept anything blindly if it makes sense to you you think about it if it makes sense to you then you accept it see whoever's telling you anything they are made of the same stuff as you everyone's made of the body mind intellect and the spirit if they're, if they're telling you something, you need to think about it with your own intellect. Does this make sense? I need to inquire. I need to think about it. And if it makes sense to you, then you accept it. If it doesn't, then you don't accept it. This is the point. Then you're thinking. You're using your intellect. You're using your buddhi. Yeah? Only then you, you move ahead. This is what they're saying. Never accept anything blindly. Doesn't matter what it is. You have to think about it. Get more knowledge, get more information. Then it makes sense to you, then you accept it. Otherwise, you reject it. See, the problem is if you accept it blindly, then you can't move forward. If you think reason, then you're, 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 you're going to be strong. When you accept it, you, you'll accept it 100%. Especially when it comes to God. What is God? We spend a whole lifetime believing something we have never seen. We don't understand. So all they're saying is think about it. So in Vedanta we say God is within you. Yeah. You're made of the spirit, body, mind and intellect your physical personality and your spiritual personality, which is your intellect, I mean, your um, Atman, Brahman, God, Father in heaven, Allah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that is. So God is actually within us. We don't have to go far to find him. Everybody goes out to mosque, temple, church to look for him, when really you just have to go in within him. And if you understand his within, you can find him wherever you are. You can find him at home. But we're all used to going out externally, not used to looking within. And Vedanta is all about thinking. It's not easy in the sense you have to put effort in. It's not following anything blindly, even what anything we talk about you need to make sure that you understand it and it makes sense to you otherwise don't accept it you have to think and the whole process is to go within this is what we teach how to go within you know your physical body you know your mind you know your intellect but you don't know the, the self within your atman within you so vedanta teaches you how to go within by discussing the laws of life, by discussing you, your, your personality, and then we have a pathway to go within. Who, everyone, has anyone read the Bhagavad Gita? Has anyone, has everyone got, anyone got Bhagavad Gita at home? Yeah, it's yeah. normal the case. Everyone's got one, but no one's read it. 
It's, it's okay, it's normal. <laughs> Do you know the whole message? There's only one message in the Bhagavad Gita, 702 verses. And those 702 verses, which is portrayed as Krishna talking to Arjuna and his brothers about how to win the war against his cousins, the Kauravas. There is only one message in the whole of Bhagavad Gita. It explains one Upanishad. Anyone know what that is? If you know this one message, you don't have to read the Bhagavad Gita. So today you've all got Bhagavad Gita. I'll tell you the message. You won't have to read it. But you'll have to read it to, make, to understand what, we're, what, what, what the statement we're going to make. So what is it? Anybody? The whole 702 verses says that you are God. That's the one message from there. You are God. You are Brahman. You are Atman. And that's all. Yeah, Ravi. Just, just to clarify, um, you are God and you are Atman. It's because you are part of that constant. I, yeah, I, I know we use, and I think I questioned this when I first started the classes, was the word we use as God is not in what I've been brought up with, but we're using it at the, to identify the constant Atma that belongs to that supreme spiritual journey or whatever you want to call it. So God is all-pervading. God is everywhere, we say. Anything you see, this whole world, it's actually, um, it's, it's actually God, but we don't recognize it as God. We see it as the world. Yeah? We see spirituality, the God, different. But actually, this whole world is God, and you're part of it. The example we use is, imagine an ocean. The whole ocean is water. All the different fishes in there, imagine that's us. We're all part of and part of the ocean. All the fishes are part of the ocean. They, they live, they're born and they die in the ocean. All the experiences are within that ocean. And they are part of that ocean. Similarly, God is all pervading. Yeah? We are all living in that omnipresent of God from him. We are born and die within that environment. But we don't see it like that. This is the problem. And this is what spirituality is supposed to help you do, is to realize that this is the case. And as you go on that journey, your worldly life becomes a lot more fulfilling. You're more happier, you're more successful, um, peaceful, and that's what everyone's looking for, peace and happiness. Whatever you're doing in life is to find peace and happiness. Any experience you think about, the end result is peace and happiness. Whatever it is. You get married, you're looking for peace and happiness. You have a child, you're looking for peace and happiness. You get promoted, you're looking for peace and happiness. Whatever it is, that's, if you boil it down, that's what it boils down to. And this subject allows you to do that because it teaches you how to do that. It teaches you how to be the best person, how to deal with relationships, how to deal with your fellow colleagues. And when you learn, it's like any science, when you learn it, you become good at it. How to deal with grief. which is everything that we all have to go through in life. This is our life. So it teaches us how to live life, basically. And if you want to reach the end, to the end of the path, you become this what we call self-realization. The ultimate experience, where you are no longer going for the experience of birth and death. So this is the subject. Any questions, clarifications? Wednesday evening is not for me to talk, but for everyone to uh, participate. 
Certainly because there's a lot of newbies. Otherwise, I won't be talking. I'll let all the group talk. Your mic is uh, um, off, Jyoti Ben. If you're, if you're trying to talk, your mic is off. Yeah. No, my mom is just coming in the room. Oh, okay. and, she, and I was just explaining to her what I was doing. All right. Okay. Roshni? Any comments? But this no. journey, yeah, go on. No, I've got no comments. So this journey is very exciting, very um, practical, very, how can I put it, uh, joyful once you start going on it. Because you understand, you start understanding your own personality, what makes you tick, what makes others tick. But it takes effort. What else? We've done a poem, we discussed a poem. Rajesh, Bella? You all want me to do the work today. Actually, I have a question. Oh, please, Damesh. You know the three years you spent in India? Yeah. What did you exactly do? What exactly do? So, you know, you're listening to me talking. I listened to a guru talking for three years. <laughs> okay. First of all, um, we go through, uh, it's a three-year um, study in the ashram. Everyone, we're the only language spoken there is English. Uh, there's about 40 students, about 20 girls and 20 males. And 90% of the age group is between 18 and 30. I was one of the, uh, I, I think I was the but um, everyone's between 18 and 30. They don't take on mainly people above 30 because they have too many preconceived ideas. And it takes three years to get rid of those preconceived ideas before they can be taught. But I've never actually been that spiritual, so I had no conceived, preconceived ideas. So I was quite fresh. So three years, uh, there's a boys' hostel, girls' hostel, and we stay separate. We wake up at 4.30 every day and we go to bed at nine o'clock. And the whole day is made up of lectures, study, and group discussions, which is what we're doing now. And we go through that three years, seven days a week. There is no day off. And Swamiji, uh, Swami Patasati, you can all Google him, by the way. He's got a YouTube video. He's 92 now, I think it is. Um, he studied under Chinmayananda, Swami Chinmayananda. Yeah. You all heard of Chinmaya Mission? So he was um, a disciple of Chinmayananda. Now, he has written 10 books on Vedanta. Now, the thing is with Swami Patasati, he came from a really um, rich family. But he studied in England, so his books are very articulate and easy for us to understand because he's put a very complicated subject in a simple language, in a language that we all understand, and he's clarified it very, 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 very well. And that's why it's easy to follow him and his books. So we have 10 books, and one of them is the Bhagavad Gita, which, by the way, takes 18 months to finish, studying it every day, seven days a week. So... You've all got Bhagavad Gita. Well, study, it takes 18 months, seven days a week study. And we, and, and we all have to do exams on every single book, every single verse, and we have to pass them. And it takes just over three years to do that. Any questions? No, 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 I'm just asking. As you said, you need to question everything you do. I agree. That's why I'm asking any further questions. That's no. So, Not the moment. So I studied under Swami Patasati, who's still, who's still alive. Um, and um, the studying includes, is, is based on the three yogas. In the Bhagavad Gita, it tells you Karma Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, and Jnana Yoga. Knowledge, service, sacrifice, devotion. 
it's based on those three. And so I finished two years ago, graduated, and I've come back. And uh, wife, she's not here with us today, but uh, she uh, insisted that I sort of start taking classes. And here we are, two years later. And I'm trying to communicate this subject to people who are interested. The classes are free, by the way. There is no cost involved. How do we get a copy of that book you were reading on Sunday? Well, first of all, this is the book we're reading. Now, this book is probably the fourth book we're doing out of 10. Yeah. So there are more basic books than this. Now, what I suggest, and this is early days, um, is whoever wants to take, uh, would like to know more about these classes, join us on the Sunday and the Wednesday. And if there's a small group, like four, five, six people who are new to this, it would be better to start another group from the basics. That's what I would suggest, if you are serious. But at the moment, you can join us on some, when, Sunday mornings. Yeah. If you feel, I'd really like to know more about this and I would like to start from scratch, then we would start from scratch. If there's a core group, so then we can start a new group. That would be the best bet. Yeah, Hermesh, is that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. If you want to just pop in and pop out, then Sunday mornings, you're welcome to join us at any time. That goes for everyone, by the way. You know, um, but if you're ready to commit for a longer term, then we can talk about that later. But it's good to see a lot of you who joined on Sunday today. I didn't expect anyone, but I thought I bored everyone to death on Sunday. <laughs> to be fair, you know, you didn't. You, you probably asked more questions of yeah. ourselves. Perfect, then I did my job right. <laughs> if you're asking questions, then you're curious to know more. Meghna. Um, it's not a question as such, it's just something that I wanted to share. Uh, from having been a part of these classes from the beginning. Um, at the start, when you, because I mean, Vitanta is the, the point is to start thinking. And we were having this conversation earlier that in order to have questions, you need to start that thinking process. And so that doesn't come very, you know, that doesn't come straight away. And I found personally that when we'd have, when we'd have sessions at the beginning, you wouldn't, you'd think that you don't have any questions. And so you feel like either you're not understanding or there's nothing that you can add to it. But what you, well, what I try to do is go back over what we've learned or what we've spoken about that day and keep sort of going over it. And then I felt like the questions then come that you can ask and it progresses you in that way. But what happens is we're trying to learn how to question in the first place. And that's what we're not used to doing. So that's the, the initial hurdle as such. And once you sort of pass that, those questions keep flowing and then you, you want to learn more and you know more and then more questions and that just keeps cycling. But I think at the beginning you don't have much to say, but don't feel as though you um, aren't absorbing anything or don't have anything to add to the, the classes. But that's just from, from personal experience. We can't hear you, Adam Campbell. No. Sorry, um, I went frozen and uh, I came back and you're still talking, so I, I wasn't sure what you said, but hopefully it was positive things. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Meghna's been with us for a couple of years now, um, and um, I think she's benefited quite a lot. Um, and um, it's better that people who have been coming to class um, talk about the experience rather than me. Ravi, yeah. Now, uh, like as Meghna said, I mean, I sort of got introduced um, 
few years ago, in fact, and then I took a break away from it. But um, what I what I liked was that I, I think most of the people in the class would agree that we've been brought up when we've been told this is the way it is, this is the way religion is, as such, or our religion as such. But now being part of these classes and knowing that we had the surface knowledge, we were never able to question it any further. But when I look at the surface, they, they weren't wrong, but they weren't able to explain it, allowing us to question it and digest it in a manner that is more appropriate to us understanding it. So what it allowed me actually to do is sort of understand the way I was brought up, what I was taught, and it wasn't wrong. It's just that they didn't have the means to explain it yeah. for me to understand it. And which now, I mean, through the last five years and more recently as well, it's allowed me to overcome challenges in life, control my emotions, but also be grateful of understanding what's happening and why it's happening. And that, that gives me a bit more peace because I think the biggest thing for me was that it's, it's constant. It's not the end. You know, so when, yeah, in, in, in this recent episodes or the last few weeks and last three years, it's, you know, people who have passed away and allowed me to go past that grieving. It's for me to understand, okay, it's not the end. It's just a continuation. What's ended is my attachment and it's my feelings I've got to manage. It's how I handled it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is, so what Ravi, Ravi is saying is that, you know, it basically allows you to develop your own self and your own understanding of life. Every day we wake up, we contact the world, either through our senses, our emotions, or our thoughts. We contact the world. How do we know we're contacting the world correctly? Who's, ta who's taught us that? They don't teach you that at school. How do we know that we're contacting the world correctly? How do we know we're contacting our family, our friends, our partners, our colleagues correctly. So we all contact the world to, to have good experiences. How do we know that when we contact the world, we're going to get a good experience? We don't, because no one teaches us how to live life, how to contact the world. This knowledge teaches you how to, the correct contact with the world. When I say world, I'm talking about whatever you do in life every day when you wake up. And if you contact the world correctly, then chances of you being happy are greater. And the chances of you being unhappy are less. And we're all looking for happiness. And for us to contact the world properly, we have to learn how to contact the world properly. And this is what we're learning. So you can either just, you know, you want to be rich, powerful, this can teach you how to do that. You want to reach the state of realization, it can, Self-realization, it can take you all the way down to up to there. You just want to be happy, fine, no problem, that's easy. But you have to learn how to contact the world properly. Why am I, why am I always angry? You explore why, is, why, what causes anger? Lack of control. Lack of control. Absolutely, but how do you control it? You told us why, but how do you how do you control it? You get angry because you, your desire is not fulfilled. You want someone to do something for you. They ain't done it. You get angry. They haven't met your expectations. You're angry. That's where anger. Lack of. Um, Unfulfilled desire causes agitations, causing anger. We learn all that. How do we control that? What causes it? If you, if you understand what causes it, then you can control it, isn't it? Yes. But we're not taught that. Why am I agitated? So we discuss, we, we dissect a human being's personality. And Krishna, through the Bhagavad Gita, teaches us how to perfect it. Just like he taught Arjuna how to win the battle with 
his cousins. He didn't want to fight. Krishna told him how to fight. He had to fight because there was, he had to bring goodness into his land. Duryodhan and his cousins, all selfish people, had decimated the land. Arjuna had to fight in order to bring goodness back in the world, even though he didn't want to. So Krishna taught him how to do that. So it was a challenge which he had to, he had to overcome with Krishna's help. And what did Krishna give him? His knowledge. Similarly, we all have challenges in our life. Jyoti, you have a challenge. Ravi, you've had a challenge recently. We all have challenges, some small, some big. We have to prepare ourselves for these things. You know, when you're prepared, you laugh in death's face. Okay, it's my turn, it's my turn. What's the big deal? You're ready. But we're not ready. This is the problem. So it teaches us how to be ready for anything in life. If you can be ready for the ultimate experience, what's anything else in the world? But everything else is minuscule. Isn't it? So this is what it develops us. Any further questions? Um, I just want to add a bit further to what Rav has spoken about already, um, especially for people who are new to this philosophy and this way of thinking. Um, I'm saying it from a perspective where I have been being religion you follow, religion, we are all products of a conditioning when it comes to religion, in that whether you follow Hinduism, a branch of Hinduism, sectarian, whether you follow Christianity, whether you follow Islam, you've been brought up in a way, according to how you've been born, to what God is actually about. And in a lot of religions, it's as though God is different from you. It's like when someone passes away, we have a knee-jerk reaction which says, oh, you know, God give their soul eternal peace. And that means that you are different from God. And it makes out that God is in a different place. Yeah, uh, a place, a different geographical place, maybe what is called as heaven. So we have a conditioning uh, in whatever faith you've been brought up into. And from my own experience, I'm speaking, is that you go through, with this philosophy of Vedanta, you go through unraveling that conditioning because you were only conditioned by what you've been told, as Rav has said. And when you question and understand, you take on the knowledge, then you realize what this word God actually means. And everyone, every religion is looking at it, seems to be looking at it in the wrong place where it actually isn't, rather than looking at a place, as Andy says, where it actually is. It's within you. It's not a geographical place. God is not a geographical, in a geographical place, a geographical place or a, a, a personality. But our religion has conditioned us to feel that it's a personality, that it is Krishna, that it is Shiva, that it is Vishnu, or whatever you want to believe in. Yeah, that it is uh, Muhammad, or you know, whatever it may be, Christ, whatever you want to follow. So that's where the difficulty is for where I, when I first was introduced into Vedanta, I found, you know, unraveling that conditioning was quite difficult. But as you go on with it, with your self-effort, because obviously the people on this group now uh, want to know, they're intrigued about what this is, what Vedanta is actually about. And with your own individual little bit by little bit self-effort, yeah, you start your journey and then you find out more and more and more and you understand what God actually is. And it aligns also to a certain extent 
you know, the religion that you've been following all your life. But you can understand it more, as Ralph said. You can understand it a bit more now because in whatever religion you're following, because you don't question it and you accept it as blind faith, as Andy said with the poem at the beginning, because you accept it with blind faith, then you don't question it and then you can't spiritually move further or evolve. You just take it as gospel, as they say. Thank you. So, you know, if you've started your inquiry, then, uh, you know, I think that's a, a positive step towards developing yourself, as Andy said, as an individual person. Yeah. We're not here to condemn any religions or anything like that. Um, um, this knowledge um, is, is not based on any religion or any personality. Um, in fact, most religions have come about from this knowledge. The Vedas was written 10,000 years ago before any religion was started. Christianity started 2,000 years ago. Yeah. There was no such thing as Hinduism even. Yeah. So the Vedas predates any religion. So what we're studying is the knowledge from the Vedas. And the Vedas were written by people with no name. They had reached that experience of self-realization where they became one with God. And they wrote their experiences and the knowledge that they wrote down was from their own experience of going within. And that's what was written. So scientists have written so many laws about the world. It's all external. These sages went within and wrote the scientific laws of human beings, who we are. And that is what we're studying. Hence, Vedanta goes inwards. So it's got nothing to do with any religion. It's only the philosophical part of all religions. So it predates any religion. So there's no need to change your faith, beliefs, or anything like that. In fact, if anything, you'd, if you were a Christian, for example, you'd have a better understanding of Christianity better understanding of Islam. In fact, in the ashram, there were quite a few Muslim people there, believe it or not. We even had a, 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 um, someone from Saudi Arabia, from the royal family, can you believe it? She spent six months there, yeah, studying this subject. Uh, we had people from California, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Russia, I'm talking non-Indians, because every human being is the same. When it comes to um, the philosophy, every, every, doesn't, every human being is the same. doesn't matter what color, creed, what nationality, which country you live in. Everyone's made up of the body, mind, intellect, and, and the spirit. Any other further questions before we log off today? The Wednesday evening class is made is just about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. No? Okay. So um, anybody who'd like to join us for Sunday, 10.30, we'll be continuing from where we left off uh, last Sunday. Okay, it's a continuation of what we're studying. And I'll tell you now what will be just finished uh, that pineapple in the bee poem, is uh, yeah, you, you guys will be fine. If anybody new wants to um, join us on Sunday, you'll be able to identify exactly what we're talking about. Why we're attached to the world. Why you're affected by the world. Through life, death, good or bad experiences, why you're affected. It tells you why you get affected. Scientifically, we talk about it. So um, please join us on Sunday, 10.30. Um, anybody needs uh, um, to, the um, details of the login, uh, I think Ravi will uh, pass it on. It's the same as uh, last Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the same link. Wednesday's the same link and Sunday's the same link. There's two different links. Um, Wednesday has its own link like you've all logged in today and Sunday has the link that was shared last week as well. So you've now got both links for each of the days. Yeah. So please feel free to join us on Sunday 10.30. And if, ever, if you have any questions, 
from today's talks or Sunday or any talk, um, questions that you can ask us on Sunday as well. Uh, we allow 10, 15 minutes at the end um, or you can ask us on next Wednesday. Uh, if I can't answer, the, the, other, the group members can also answer. I give them first opportunity to answer. Yeah, okay, great. So have a lovely evening and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. Take care. Bye.